So hey, a little fun for Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of you guys. Listen, for those of you who are dads, it's one of the most important roles we have. Uh, I pray that this weekend you feel encouraged and challenged to be the man that God created you to be. Um, and for those of you who don't have dads that maybe didn't go the way you wanted, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you have the best dad ever in, the he- in your heavenly father, and he can be what no other man can be for you. And so um, happy Father's Day. Hey, I want to um, make you aware of something really important. Actually, two things that kind of go together. Uh, we've been pumping the At The Movies series, and if you missed last week, we want everybody to bring somebody to this. This is an easy invite to somebody who normally doesn't come to church. There's going to be popcorn. There's going to be snacks. What we're doing is... We take movies that that are more common and we look for the faith elements in film. It's very similar to how teachers of the day back in the day would have taught uh, understanding spiritual principles through modern language. Um, We're not changing the truth. We're just changing the delivery system. And so we would love for you to bring somebody with you. So because of that, two things are happening. Uh, specifically this service. And if you were here last week, we talked to most of you that this will no longer be the mask section uh, reserved for masks only starting in July at the At The Movie series. So if you come at four o'clock on uh, Saturday, it's gonna be, you can sit wherever you want. Um, If you are somebody who's concerned for space and health, this is still probably the best service to come. You can wear a mask, you can find space, you should be able to have that, but we won't be having you enter through those doors. We won't be coming through here. So just wanna make you aware of that. In addition to that, because we're already seeing our numbers really go up and people are coming back. Uh, and then with everybody's gonna bring somebody at the movies, right? Everybody's gonna bring somebody at the movies. We're also, why did you laugh? That was supposed to be, yeah. Um, but we're also gonna add back our noon service starting in July as well, uh, which is, yeah, really exciting. Um, if you've been at uh, nine o'clock, getting full. If you've been at 10.30, it's standing room only in here and in the chapel. Uh, and so it's a great problem to have uh, as people are coming back to church. And so this will no longer be the mask section and we'll be having the noon service all starting July 4th weekend, July 3rd and 4th. So now you have three options on Sunday, uh, still just the one on Saturday until we fill this up and then we'll open our 5.30 service back up. Uh, and then hopefully we get that building built before we have to open any more services, amen. Um, so I'm really, really excited uh, because we're gonna do something that if you're, if you're newer here, you probably have never been with us for. We started something when I got here called um, the Mastermind Miniseries. And what this is, is the idea of Mastermind is each miniseries is just a two-week supplement. Sometimes they go together, sometimes they're standalone. But the, the concept is just simply the invitation to change our perspective or change the way we think about one simple thing. And, and before I, I give much more away, I'll kind of explain the importance of that spiritually and psychologically. But before we do, I want to just throw it to our bumper video and kick it off. Let's begin. 
And so the apostle Paul, when he was writing to the early church, teaching them how to be followers of Jesus and experience this transformation that comes with it, he writes this in the letter of Ephesians chapter four, verse 23. He says this, let the spirit, now he says, let, this is what the spirit will do if you allow him into your life. Let the spirit change your way of thinking. And verse 24 goes on and says, and make you into a new person. You were actually created to be like God. Now, what's really, really interesting is if go back to verse 23 real quick, is what it says is let the Spirit, what the Holy Spirit wants to do when we, when we come to follow Jesus is he wants to change our perspective, our mindset, our way of thinking. What it doesn't say, almost every week I talk about what the Bible doesn't say, is change your behavior. Now, what do we all wanna do who have problems and issues and hangups? We wanna be better. We wanna change our behavior. We wanna try harder to be better, but what what Paul was writing 2,000 years ago in the East is what modern psychology has already caught up and basically affirmed. We got counselors in the room nodding their heads saying, yes, this is true, is that if you actually wanna change your behavior, if you only just try harder to be better, you'll only ever frustrate yourself. And you'll probably never do it. If you wanna change your behavior, you actually have to change the way you think, create new roads, new synapses in your brain because how you think dictates how you feel and how you feel dictates how you act or behave or live. And so if we wanna change how we feel and change how we behave, it's not try harder to be better, it's actually think differently about certain things. And so that is what this series is all about, which by the way, that's the main difference between religion and a relationship with Jesus. Religion focuses on your behavior. Jesus wants to change the way you think. And that's the invitation. And to me, that's more appealing. And so uh, to go further into this, um, there's a word that we use often in church. It's this word repent. You see it in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus, John the Baptist, Peter, the apostles all came with the same message, basically repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, it was, if you study the Greek in which they communicated this in, that word repent is this word metanoeo. You don't need to know that word, but here's what you need to know. It's, a, it's a two words put together. Meta means to change or transform like metamorphosis. And then noeo is your mind or your thinker or what you know. So when Jesus or John the Baptist showed up and said, hey, I want you to repent because God's kingdom is at hand, he wasn't saying act better. He was saying think better. Yes. About what? All of it. And so if you go back into our sermon archive, our sermon library, we've done several of these. We've talked about God, purpose, money, sex, yourself. And so we're going to do two more weeks of mastermind. And I think this is so fitting for a great way to jump off of this. And so this is the invitation is Jesus wants us to change the way we think so that we can become the, the image bearer of God that we were created to be. In fact, I want to just quickly go through that whole passage where I pulled that from Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 17. So you get a little bit of context says this, so I tell you this, again, Paul instructing us Christians uh, and those who want to become Christians or who are checking out what it means to be a Christian uh, and insist on it in the Lord. So Paul's using strong language. I insist that you must no longer live as Gentiles. Now, if you're not a Bible person, anytime you see that word Gentiles, it just means non-Jewish people that followed God. If there was like Jews, it was like, it was like those people, the other people, the other side, that's what Gentiles was. We, if, unless you're Jewish in this room, we are all Gentiles. Um, and so he says, don't live like the Gentiles or those who don't know God do in the futility of their thinking. Now listen, the people he was talking about were wild and out, y'all, wild and out. <laughs> but he doesn't say don't act like them. He says their, their thinking is futile. There's some things they don't understand. So he says, don't be like them. Go on. Verse uh, 18, it says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of ignorance 
that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So now we're starting to see what happens in our minds starts to connect to our hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, verse 19, they've given themselves over to sensuality and indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. So he's saying, when you, if you don't change how you think, this is where it eventually leads is the way you behave. In verse 20, he goes, that, however, is not the way you learn, not in your mind. And when you heard about Christ, you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that it is, uh, with, that is in Jesus. You were taught in the regard to your former life, the way I lived before I knew God, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. If you were here last week, I said, there's nothing good in me. Pastor Corey, there's nothing, that's what I meant. I know who I am outside of Jesus and none of it is good. Yes. Uh, he says, it's being corrupted, but be made new again in the attitude of your minds. And, and when you do that, what happens? Then you put on the new self. You become the transformed image bearer of God you were created to be inside and out, like Pastor Joseph talked about a couple weeks ago, living from the inside out, not outside in. Called to be what were we created to be, to be like God in righteousness and holiness. That is what we are called to be. This is what we're called to do. And so this is a big deal, apparently to, to Jesus, apparently to spirituality, apparently to the, the apostles, the way we think and what we, uh, the, our perspective and our worldview actually has a big, big to-do about our religion and our relationship with God, amen? As one philosopher said it this way, he said, as nothing is more easy to think, so nothing is perhaps more difficult than to think well. The whole heart behind mastermind is this, that we would think well about God and ourselves and what success is and healing and forgiveness and money and purpose. And when we do that, we will put off our old self. We will become who we were made to be and we will find the life again that we were ultimately called to live by, again, not copying the world's behaviors like we talked last week, but doing this instead. And so every week we're gonna want to change the way we think. We're gonna look at one idea. And so this week, super simple. I'm really excited for what we have planned for the next few minutes, but I just want to invite all of you to join me as we explore perhaps the idea of changing the way we think about the words that come out of our mouth. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. That's what we're going to talk about this weekend. Wherever you're at, online, we're going to talk about words. We're going to talk about the power of our words. In fact, this is a big deal um, to us as a church. We have a church code here 12 statements that capture who we are. We also have a staff code, 10 things that we uh, pursue that you have to have and that you have to embrace to work here. And this one code actually shows up on both our church code and our staff code. And it goes like this. We, we speak life. Amen. We speak life. And we say it this way. We are encouragers, truth speakers, grace givers, and gossip intolerant in a help me understand community. When I say help me understand, it's a help me understand what you did, not a you did, I think, I feel. And so this speak life is a really, really big deal. And so this is gonna be really simple, especially kind of Father's Day, us dudes, like we can usually only handle one thing at a time. Uh, several of you guys are nodding one thing, so I'm gonna keep this really, really, really simple. Um, but I think, I think it's exactly what God wants to say to us all, not just the dads, but to all of us today, is like, what? Let me ask it this way. When was the last time you took inventory of the words that come out of your mouth and the tone and manner of which they come out? Because what I, what I just read, Paul says, that's a big deal. Solomon, wisest man ever other than Jesus who wrote Proverbs, he says it this way in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. He says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Whoa, that's a big deal. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Well, what fruit will I eat? 
Well, it depends on what language you speak. So this, this is what the Bible teaches us. This is what God wants us to know. There are two languages out there. There's a language called life. And there's a language called death. Which one do you speak more fluently? Which one, when was the last time you thought about it? There's a language called life and there's a language called death in your home, in the car, at work, the self-talk, the things you tell yourself. Is it life? Is it death? The tongue, James, the, the brother of Jesus says the same thing. The tongue is the most powerful tool you and I, the most powerful thing we wield in our humanity is our words, our tongues. The greatest lie in the 70s, 80s, and 90s was sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, I recovered a lot more from some stitches and broken bones than I did some really gnarly things that were said that I'm still actually trying to get over a little bit in my 40s. And I didn't even have it that bad. So what are you speaking? The effects of words. The problem is, here's why this matters. And I'm gonna give you just a little bit behind the scenes. Um, The problem is that the more we hear or speak or read a phrase, the more power it has over us. The more often we read it, the more imprint it makes on us. And so uh, it's like a young child that only after being burned a few times with heat do you realize that fire is always hot. Sometimes we get these messages, you're not good enough, 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 you're not, you'll be just like your mom, you'll be just like your mom, you'll be just like your mom, you'll be just like, you're gonna be like, you're gonna be a deadbeat dad, you're gonna be a deadbeat dad, you're gonna be, they have to be ingrained in us, and the more we hear them, the more they impact us. Chances are you don't remember the dates of the Civil War, but you remember what nine times nine is. Why? Because you had those stupid memory cards, it's nine times nine and 81, and they did around the world, and no one ever won, but... We all, but you had to know it's a nine times nine is 81. You had to repeat them over and over. It's why you can get a song stuck in your head all day long and it won't leave. Why? You've heard it so many times. It's why I'm so big on what we put in our minds and our hearts with music and media, because we literally create grooves and pathways on our brain and we reaffirm messaging one way or the other. Repetition is the most powerful tool there is to imprint something on somebody's brain. Somebody's brain. If you go look at brainwashing, that's all it is. So what's why this matters is because of what we've come to discover as the illusion of truth effect. Is anybody familiar with this? The illusion of, this is probably where most of us live. The illusion of truth effect basically proves that any statement we read or we see or we speak regularly is seen more valid than one that we only hear frequently or very infrequently, even if it's not true. We can shut it down right now. What I just told you is the way we are wired is anything you hear or read or speak on a regular basis is more valid to you in your heart and the reality that you've created than something you've heard very infrequently or very occasionally or semi-randomly, even if the messaging you've been hearing is a bunch of crap and the truth is actually the thing that's trying to get into you. When I tell you, I want you all to read your Bible, that's why. This is why we feel the way we feel. This is why we live the way we live. And this is what we see happening in America right now. We don't know what's true, but everybody's believing what they hear the most. Doesn't matter what side of whatever argument you're on. It's like, if we, and and, and by the way, all the people who make money have figured this out. We just got to get our message out. The more we get it out, the more people will assume it's true. Who cares if it's true or not? We're just trying to make money. News industries, it doesn't matter, right? So... This super matters. It's so fascinating. Psychology has shown us it doesn't matter whether the information is true or false. It just matters how often you're exposed to it, which leads to neuroplasticity. 
I'm going to read this because I ain't smart enough to memorize this part. <laughs> Neuroplasticity is a term used to describe how the brain continues to reinvent itself. Our brain is like every other part of our body. Uh, older, unused pathways or roadways in our brain, synapses, fall away and new ones with repetition focus or emerge. So what we think about actually rewires our brains for better or worse on a regular ongoing basis. So the messages we read, the things we tell ourselves, and again, for a lot of us, that's why our spiritual transformation started not just when we said yes to Jesus, but when we started reading his word and praying it and speaking it over ourselves. Because we, a bunch of us, some of us had some old roadways that we needed to fall away, didn't we guys? I did. For the first 25 years of my life, I wanted to be anybody other than who I was because I had enough messaging that said there was something wrong with who I was. Didn't matter if it was true, but that's what I got. So now we know that our choice of words has a direct and immediate effect on our emotional response, and that's how our brain responds. So therefore, why do we say this? So the word, therefore, the words we say to other people and the words we say to ourselves, even the ones in our head, are most often the things that we've heard repetitively. And the question then becomes, is it true or is it not? And if it's not, we need some roadways to fall apart and we need some new ones built. Or all I did is give you some modern science to tell you this. The tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue. What you put, on, what you put out on Facebook and Instagram what you message, what you text, what you say, what you think, what you tell yourself is literally life and death. Maybe a better way to say it is um, our words, with our words, we're either handing out gold stars or we're handing out gray dots. Every single thought, every single time, every single word I have, oh my gosh, I just love that you're here. I, I, it's, not, it's not the same when you're not here. I'm just handing out stars. Pastor Dennis, there is just, you are one of the greatest men. You are one of the greatest leaders. Uh, Mark, really, that shirt again, the same third, third week in a row, huh? Uh, he, that's not true. That's not true. Uh, you know, um, oh, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Da, 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 da. Can you believe that over in there doing that? Then they have the marriage thing. I'm handing out dots. I'm handing out dots. Oh, the drivers in Cape Coral, the worst. You're going to hate it here. That hair, let's stop playing for a minute. That hair is fantastic. I bet that took you at least six hours to do. Six? Close. Close. Was it more? No, it was less. Less? You know, that's fantastic. What, what am I saying? What am I doing? Everything we're doing, all of our words. And, and here's what happens. When we hand out stars and dots, they stick. Oh, God, Corey, you're such an idiot. Can't believe you did that again. Most of us have more gray dots because of our own self-talk. But I bet some of that self-talk started with somebody else's messaging that somewhere you believed along the line and maybe it wasn't true. And Jesus wants to rewire your pathways. So there's two parts to this. We have to figure out what's true about us, but we also have to know that we are either speaking a language of life or a language of death. We are either contributing to distributing contributing and distributing stars or dots. I am literally agreeing with God's narrative about you or I'm agreeing with Satan's narrative about you and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. This is like kind of hard hitting. This is why I'm so big on Speak Life. I'm so glad. I grew up in a home where Speak Life was one of our family codes. A dad who was a German and he was hard on us and he worked us. He was my coach and he was my boss and he was my youth pastor and he was my dad. But man, he was so encouraging and he told me he loved me and my dad put gold stars on me my whole life. 
Some of you, that's not your story. You're like, I got storage units of dots my dad gave me, my stepdad gave me, my mom's boyfriends gave me, my ex-husband gave me, my boss gave me, my coach. Words have the power of life and death. What are we going to do with that power? And so just really briefly, I want to give you three kind of areas to think about. The words. I want, you, I want to invite you to evaluate the words that you say in three areas. First of all, the words that you say to others. To others. If perhaps some of the attitudes that we're looking for, we want to feel better about life, we want to have more joy. Did you know that it's really hard to have joy if all you do is whine and complain about everything? Also, I love everybody, but you can miss me with that. Like, I don't, like, I... Complaining is high on my pet peeve list. Uh, what you say and what, when you say to others, what do I mean? I'm talking about insulting. I'm talking about complaining. I'm talking about yelling. I'm talking about tone. And listen, I know some of you dads are like, oh, I knew it, pastor's soft. Like he can't even tell, tell the truth. No, no, no. I'm not saying don't tell you the truth, but you can speak the truth in love. Yes. You can do it in a way where somebody, some of, my, some of the greatest coaching I ever got was getting my butt kicked, but it was by guys who had proven they loved me whether it was a football coach or a mentor or whatever the case may be, to others. What are the words that come out of your mouth to others? Whether it's to their face or, or, or to others to, to, to about other things. I can't believe what's going on in the economy. I can't believe President Biden. And now we got da, 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 and Trump and Obama and, and, and we got all this and, and COVID and masks and church. And let's just, let's just find everything we can fight about. Well, that's low-hanging fruit. It doesn't take smart people to do that. Stars or dots? When you, when you start talking to other people, do they leave the conversation better? And do they leave the conversation with a better picture of whoever it was you were just talking about? Or have you created a narrative, again, that agrees more with Satan and you're like, now they hate somebody they haven't even met? The words we say to each other. If we want to change what happens inside of us and the way we feel and the way we live, perhaps we need to re rethink how we think about our words, what we say to others. Number two, not just to others. This is a, probably a bigger one, about others. Did you hear about so-and-so? No, 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 tell me so I can better pray for them. <laughs> See, that's how we do it in church. In church, we like make it look all religious and pretty. Oh, I need more details so I can pray specifically when I go boldly before the throne of grace. No. <laughs> It's good because it's true. I was born in this thing. I've been doing this 40 years. About others. Can you believe? Ah, oh, can you believe what they do? You know, that guy's running his business. Man, my neighbor's such an idiot. My boss is such an idiot. Our president's such an idiot. Everybody in this world's an idiot but you. Maybe, maybe there's more going on than you're aware of. Maybe we could pray for our enemies. Maybe we could bless our leaders. Maybe we could kill people with kindness instead of our words. Again, all ideas Jesus came up with. I'm just the messenger. About others. When was the last time you took inventory? And by the way, if you're like, well, I think I'm doing pretty good. If you really want to know how you're doing, ask your friends. And oh, by the way, when you're choosing friends, young people, if they will gossip about other people to you, they will gossip about you when you ain't around too. So be careful. Oh, I just love, she always gives me the dirt. Well, what do you think she's talking about when you ain't around? Oh, she's my best friend. Uh-uh. 
She tells everybody all up in your business. What do you say? What are the words? What are the words that come out of your mouth? And then the last one, and this one is probably where it all starts. I want you to think about the words that you say about yourself. The internal self-talk. Sometimes it's conscious. Sometimes it's subconscious. But it's there. It's going all the time. It's a frequency that's always going. Is it... I'm a man of God. I may not be perfect, but I'm going to do my best. I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to be a good father. I'm going to be a good leader. I may not be perfect, but doggone it, I'm going to own my mistakes, and I'm going to try to make the kingdom and the world around me. I'm going to be a value. Are you telling yourself that? Or I'm a no good for nothing, screw up, and I'll never amount to anything, and, and the world would probably be better off without me. And yeah, like, what's the self-talk? Yeah. See, I don't need to dive into any of these because y'all smart. You know what's there. Is it stars? Is it dust? About yourself. Because, by the way, just another plug for, shameless plug for absolutely absorbing the word of God. There's like six pages of really awesome stuff that God says about you. Yes. All kinds of stuff. Princes, princesses, head, not the tail above and not beneath. Like the, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's loaded. But if you don't know it, that means you're probably just, you've subscribed to the false messaging, even though it's not true. Because the Bible says you're like a one of a kind, you're a masterpiece made in God's image. There's never ever been before, never will there be somebody like you. But if you don't, you can't live that if you don't feel it, and you can't feel it if you don't think it. So is there some new roadways you need to create? Shameless plug. Just go read the Bible. You'll like what it says about you. You'll like what Jesus has to say about you. By the way, I don't have time to get in. This is my transformation story. I said for 25 years, I wanted to be anybody other than what I was. I had a two-year period where I have journals full of all of the dots that were told to me and that I told myself. And then I went and did the work and started digging. I did a whole bunch of other pages about what God said. And I stopped saying the one side and started saying it. I rarely felt like it. I don't even know that I believed it, but I can tell you that new roadways and over the course of time, not in one magical prayer moment. And I went to a Pentecostal church and I believe in the power and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's go. I'm there. But it was never one moment. It was over the course of time. Guess what? Old roadways fell aside and new roadways were built. And this is crazy. This is going to sound stupid. I think it was Kirk Franklin in like early 2000s. He had this song. It was the most dumb, profound thing. It was called, I Like Me. And God used that song to heal two and almost three decades worth of wounds for me. And the whole song was about all the things that are wrong with him, but he liked himself because he understood that God liked him. And so if God liked him, he could like himself. And that was just kind of the icing on the cake of my journey. And so for some of us, why why did I do it in this order? Because you can try as hard as you want to do these, but if this is broken, you're going to live from the inside out. It can't come out of you unless it's in you first. By the way, am I making too big of a deal of this? Um, James chapter one. uh, James is the brother of Jesus, half brother. Didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. Didn't believe in Jesus until he rose from the dead. Kind of hard to ignore that one. Um, And then same for Jude, same story. Neither one believed in Jesus. And then he came back. They're like, oh crap, he is who he said he was. Um, James wrote a book. And he says this, those who consider themselves religious yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, they only deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Jesus' brother said that. If we can do all this stuff, we can believe, I can grow up in the same household, Jesus, 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 but if I don't put a rein on my tongue, my religion is worthless. So, all that to say, our words are either agreeing with God's narrative about ourselves and others or our words are agreeing with Satan's narrative about ourselves and others. Which language do you want to be more fluent in, life or death? And so here's 
the takeaway, because I, I, we have something planned for the end. Here's what I want you to do. Here's my challenge. What do I want you to do? I want you to take inventory. I'm, I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna say, I have a fun challenge for you. I would actually put out a jar in your home this week or your job. Call it the Speak Life jar. And every time you have a negative thought or word about yourself or someone else, you put a dollar in it. And you're, do you make your husband do it? Your, your kids do it? If there's complaining, if there's gossip, if there's yelling. And then next week you bring it in and we'll have the biggest offering in the history of our church for our capital campaign. That wasn't a dad joke. No, I'm serious. Do it. And then all your complaining, put something, put your negativity towards something good and let's go build a bigger building to reach more people in our city and our community. So let's give it to the, the for everyone fund. Do it. Do something fun, but do a set. I'm going to encourage and challenge everybody to do a seven day word challenge. Take inventory, work on it. Pay attention to what you pay attention to. Think about what's coming out of your mouth. Think about what you're saying. And let me again ask the same question. What language are you more fluent in? Life? or death, it has to get in you before it comes out of you. Now, there's a story that a pastor wrote for his church that kind of brings this to life, and rather than summarize it, we want to kind of bring it to life for you. And so um, one of the privileges we have here is not just having um, Dennis as a great pastor, but he's also the white Morgan Freeman. Um, and so it's true. It's just really true. And so I've asked Pastor Dennis, Dennis, come on up here, and I've asked him to read this story written by Max Licato called You Are Special, and, and rather than just um, and give it to you. We want to bring it to life. And I believe this is going to minister to your heart and your soul, as well as kind of solidify what I think God is wanting to say to us this weekend. You are special, and Max Locato. The Wemmicks were small wooden people. All of the wooden people were carved by a woodmaker named Eli. His workshop sat on a hill overlooking their village, and each Wemmick was different. Some had big noses, others had large eyes. Some were tall and others were short. Some wore hats and others wore coats, but all were made by the same carver, and all lived in the village. And all day, every day, the Wemmicks did the same thing. They gave each other stickers. Each Wemmer, Wemmick had a box of golden star stickers and a box of gray dot stickers. Up and down the streets, all over the city, people spent their day sticking stars on or dots on one another. The pretty ones, those with smooth wood and fine paint, always got the stars. But if the wood was rough or the paint chipped, the Wemmicks gave dots. The talented ones got the dots too. Some could lift big sticks high above their heads or jump over tall boxes, and still others knew big words or could sing pretty songs. Everyone gave them stars. Some Wemmicks had stars all over them. Every time they got a star, it made them feel so good. It made them want to do something else and get another star. Others, though, could do little. They got dots. Punchinello was one of those. He 
tried to jump high like the others, but he always fell, and when he fell, the others would gather around and give him dots. And sometimes when he fell, his wood got scratched, so the people would give him more dots. Then when he would try to explain why he fell, he would say something silly. The Wemmicks would give him more tots. And after a while, he had so many tots that he didn't even want to go outside. He was afraid he would do something dumb, such as forget his hat or step in the water. And then people would give him another tot. In fact, he had so many gray tots that some people would come up and give him one for no reason at all. He deserves lots of dots. The wooden people would agree with one another. He's not a good wooden person. And after a while, Punchinello believed them. I'm not a good Wemmick, he would say. The few times he went outside, he hung around other Wemmicks who had a lot of dots. He felt better around them. And one day, he met a Wemmick who was unlike any had ever met. She had no dots or stars. She was just wooden. Her name was Lucia. It wasn't that people didn't try to give her stickers. It's just that the stickers didn't stick. Some of the Wemmicks admired Lucia for having no dots, so they'd run up and give her a star, but it would fall off. Others would look down on her for having no stars, so they would give her a dot, but it wouldn't stay either. That's the way I want to be, thought Punchinello. I don't want anyone's marks. So he asked the stickerless Wemmick how she did it. It's easy, Lucia replied. Every day I go see Eli. Eli? Yes, Eli, the woodcarver. I sit in the workshop with him. Why? Well, why don't you find out for yourself? Go up the hill. He's there. And with that, the Wemmick, who had no stickers, turned and skipped away. But will he want to see me? Punchinello cried out. Lucia didn't hear. So Punchinello went home, sat near a window. He watched the wooden people as they scurried around, giving each other stars and dots. It's not right, he muttered to himself. And he decided to go see Eli. He walked up the narrow path to the top of the hill and stepped into the big shop and his wooden eyes widened at the size of everything. The stool was as tall as he was and he had to stretch on his tiptoes to see the top of the workbench. A hammer was as long as his arm and Punchinello swallowed hard, I'm not staying here, and he turned to leave. Then he heard his name, Punchinello? The voice was deep and strong. Punchinello stopped. Punchinello, how good to see you. Come and let me have a look at you. Punchinello turned slowly and looked at the large bearded craftsman. You know my name? The little Wemmick asked. Of course I do. I made you. Eli stooped down and picked him up and Set him on the bench. Hmm, the maker spoke thoughtfully as he looked at the gray dots. Looks like you've been given some bad marks. I, I didn't mean to, Eli. I really tried hard. 
Oh, you don't have to defend yourself to me, child. I don't care what the other Webbicks think. You don't? No, and you shouldn't either. Who are they to give stars or dots? They're Wemmicks just like you. What they think doesn't matter, Punchinello. All that matters is what I think. And I think you are pretty special. Punchinello laughed me special. Why, I can't walk fast. I can't jump. My, my paint's peeling. Why do I matter to you? And Eli looked at Punchinello, put his hands on those small wooden shoulders and spoke very slowly. Because you're mine. That's why you matter to me. Punchinello had never had anyone look at him like this, much less his maker. He didn't know what to say. Well, every day I've been hoping you'd come, Eli explained. Well, I came because I met someone who had no marks, said Punchinello. I know, she told me about you. Well, why don't the stickers stay on her? The master, the maker, spoke softly. Well, because she had decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about their stickers. Well, I'm not sure I understand. Eli smiled. You will, but it will take time. You've got a lot of marks. For now, just come to see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. And Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench and set him on the ground. Remember, Eli said, as the Wemmick walked out the door, you are special because I made you and I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop, but in his heart he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. That story is actually an allegory about your life. It's actually the gospel. It's the story of God. You're special because he's yours. And the more time you spend with him, the more you create pathways that affirm that messaging and the other messages fall to the wayside. So I gave you a challenge at the beginning of this. I hope you take it seriously, but I said something really important a few minutes ago that this can't come out of you until it gets in you. And as we were preparing this, we ran through this this week, I felt like there was a holy moment right now. And that if you have been, if you are carrying damaged pathways because of words, I believe if you would be humble and bold enough to receive it, I'm gonna pray and I believe God is going to do some healing right now. It's not gonna take a long time. But if you know that there are some dots that are affecting the way that you live, 
and you need new pathways and you would love your creator, your Eli, your maker, God on his throne in heaven to bring some healing into your life in this moment, I wanna just invite you simply to stand where you're at and I'm gonna pray over you. If you need to receive a prayer of healing, that's all I'm asking. And then we're gonna dismiss. I don't believe in this moment everything's going to change, but I believe in this moment it is a catalyst for change because he gives grace to the humble. And what you're doing right now is, is in humility saying, God, I have wounds. Most of, the, most of you are standing and it wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault. But it is your problem. And God wants to give you a new identity and he wants you to understand his words towards you. Heavenly Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray right now for every person standing. And I believe there are people in living rooms and in, in bedrooms and in offices around the world watching this as well that are standing. So no matter the geographic location, anybody in their heart who's standing is saying, words have damaged, they have absolutely negatively impacted and directed my life, and I am wounded. But I don't have to stay wounded. I'm standing with my arms raised, my heart hopeful for your healing. And so God, would you do what only you can do? Would you bring healing? Would you erase those words, the power, the impact of those lies? Would you let those those mental roadways fall to the wayside supernaturally, God, and as we replace that with what you think and say about us, with your truth, would we experience the transformation that you have for us? Would we trade our anger and sorrow and hatred and depression for joy and peace and hope and purpose? God, may we be able to be speakers of life, but God, I, I, I know we can't do it for others until we've received it from you first. And so God, I pray for supernatural healing right now in the name of Jesus in minds of hearts, minds and hearts. Do what only you can do, God. I thank you for every single one of my brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I thank you that like the book says, we're all just wimmicks. So why should we care what other wimmicks say about us? Let yours be the only voice that matters. And as yours is the only voice, yours is the only messaging, yours is the only truth that matters. God, may we be givers and speakers of life. Make us fluent in life. And God, forgive us of being fluent in the language of death. Help us to reign in our tongue and let it start with your words in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.